1: Thank you so much for your giving today. Uh, everybody say first Wednesday. First Wednesday, this Wednesday night, I got a message prepared for you, so uh, come out, be a part of that. It's always a wonderful time in God's presence. Today we're kicking off a brand new series called "You Make Me Crazy." Um, Valentine's Day is close by, as you guys know, a few days away. Can you feel the love in the air? How many of you uh, understand that some of the people in your life drive you crazy, right? Now, here's the thing I, I want to say right up front. Don't look at your neighbor, all right? Just don't do that. Keep your, keep your eyes, head forward and, and nod and don't even say amen too loud, all right? I don't. right? I, I'm not here to cause trouble or problems, all right? I'm actually here to help you out. Uh, But I want to call this series, You Make Me Crazy, because we all have people in our life that drive us a little nuts. Now, that doesn't mean that those relationships are bad. We just have to learn how to navigate those relationships, okay? Uh, And I want to call this specific message, I want to call this Six Keys to Peace in relationships. Now, this is not a marriage series and this is not a marriage sermon, but we will deal with marriage throughout this. But I want to deal with that. Six keys to peace in relationships. I heard about this pastor who went to visit a widow and she was in her late 80s and he went over to pay her a visit. And as they sat there in the living room and talking uh, to one another, it was around lunchtime and he was hungry. And Noticing uh, how hungry he was, he also saw that she had some peanuts there close by, and so he ate one, and you guys know how it is. You can't eat just one peanut. Uh, He continued eating those peanuts until he had eaten the entire bowl of peanuts, and he's embarrassed at this point, and he apologizes to this widow. He says, I'm sorry I've eaten all your peanuts, and she said, don't worry, pastor. I can't chew on them after I've sucked all the chocolate off some of y'all ready to puke what 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 what's the point of that the truth is is that from time to time we all do foolish things sometimes unintentionally sometimes intentionally and i think what we lack is a concept the bible teaches all throughout is the concept of wisdom a lot of times we think wisdom is just about our work or what we do with our hands or how we navigate life in general, but wisdom is what we need the most in our relationships. Unfortunately, it's the one place that we don't ask God for wisdom. We don't, we don't apply God's wisdom a lot of times in our relationships, and so what happens is, is that we want something out of a relationship, whether it be intimacy or friendship, whatever it may be. We want, we want things out of that relationship, but we do things that are counterproductive because we operate in foolishness when it comes to our relationships. Um, And I want to say this up front before I read the text. If you do whatever you feel like doing in your relationships, you will sabotage all of them. Relationships is not about you doing what you feel like doing. All right? It's about doing what God says to do. In your relationships, okay? Let's start in James chapter 3, starting in verse number 13. James said, if you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with a humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there, there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, willing to yield to others. It's full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Those verses are power-packed, and there's six principles in there that we're going to navigate in this, in this sermon today, but I, I want to start with, with some questions. Do you have any chaos in your relationships? Do you have any disorder in those relationships? A better word would probably be confusion. Are any of your relationships uh, predominantly um, confusing? For you. If so, you need to know that the Bible is very clear that wherever you find confusion, wherever you find disharmony, and wherever you find disorder, ego is involved. Everybody say ego. Ego. Whether it's in the office, at home, at school, or in the church. He says, wherever you find jealousy, And selfish ambition, you'll find disorder and every kind of evil. These verses teach a whole lot about relationships and how to apply wisdom to those relationships. The Bible is actually, when it talks about wisdom, it's God's way of relating to one another. I think sometimes we pray for wisdom at the job, we pray for wisdom at school, we pray for wisdom in whatever we do, but a lot of times we don't pray for wisdom in our relationships, and wisdom is needed the most, not at work, wisdom is needed the most in your relationships. We have to apply God's wisdom, and so it shows up there, and, and we've all done things foolishly, to, to mess up relationships. We've made bad decisions. We, we didn't apply grace or mercy where we should have. And we've all, uh, we, we've messed things up. And, and so I'll say this about wisdom. Wisdom is not about your education. Wisdom is not about how many degrees you've earned. You may have so many degrees that they call you Dr. Fahrenheit. But your relationships still stink. Okay? Yeah, so it, it's not about that. It's about applying God's wisdom in the way we relate to one another. You can take a brilliant scientist who does amazing things at the job, but his home is a mess because he lacks wisdom. And James says, when you and I get bitter and angry and resentful, we sabotage relationships, and and when that's happening, every kind of evil is present. He says in verse 18, those who are peacemakers plant seeds of peace, and they reap a harvest of goodness. Every day, in every relationship, you are planting seeds. Every single day. And you will reap a harvest on the seeds that you plant in those relationships. And I want to encourage you to plant good seeds every day. Don't be the guy who forgets the birthday, the anniversary, and you, you never say, I love you. You never do any of that. And because you feel bad, you buy a big gift. How I many of know you've already planted a bunch of seeds and now you're reaping a harvest? And buying one big gift isn't going to make up for, for the negative seeds that you've been planting. And so this is something we have to do every single day. And so what I want to do is I want to go through these verses in James, and I'm going to give you six keys about wisdom, but I'm also going to give you six things attached to that that wise people don't do. Number one, if you're taking notes, if you're not taking notes, then you need to take notes. All right, number one, <laughs> wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. You may want to circle the word pure. Very important word here. This word pure means uncorrupted, clean, unpolluted, clear, untainted. And it's where we get the word integrity. He's talking about integrity, that wisdom is is full of integrity. He's saying that the foundation of all relationships, good relationships, the key to that, the bedrock to that is integrity. And the reason integrity, integrity is listed first in James's list is because wisdom starts in the heart, not in the head. It starts in the heart, not in the head. All relationships are built on trust. No trust, no relationship. And all trust is built on truth. If you don't have truth, you don't have trust. And if you don't have trust, you do not have a relationship. If a guy is lying to his wife all the time, he may have an arrangement, but he does not have a relationship. He may have a commitment, but he does not have a relationship because relationships are built on truth, and truth is the foundation of trust, all right? This means that uh, many of us, we can con ourselves. And what I mean by conning ourselves is that we can think things are good when things are not good. How many men would, would just nod with me this morning that you thought things were good at home when they were not good? right? You, 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 it's all good. And, and, and to come to find out, it's not all good. Matter of fact, you might want to pack some bags, right? Like, it's bad. Like, and, and, and we have an ability to con ourselves and, and because we're, we don't have integrity sometimes. We're not honest with ourselves and honest with those we're in relationship with. Ephesians four twenty-five says, you must stop telling lies. Tell each other the truth because we all belong to each other in the same body. So wisdom is pure, and here's here's what wise people won't do. Check this out. If I want to be wise in my relationships, I will not compromise my integrity. What What does that mean? It means I'm not going to violate my conscience. I'm not going to compromise my convictions. I won't live a double life. I'm not going to live a lie. I'm going to tell you the truth because trust is built on truth. No trust equals no, or no truth equals no trust. Look at this verse in Proverbs 2, verse 7. It says, God grants a treasure of good sense to the godly. He is their shield, protecting those who walk with integrity. I'll say it like this You need a shield in your life from all the crazy makers. Come on, y'all, don't act like people aren't crazy. You need a shield from all the crazy makers, but if you want to have a shield from all the people that drive you crazy, you have to, first of all, make a decision to walk in integrity, all right? You have to be a person of integrity if you want God's shield. So, first of all, wisdom is pure. Secondly, wisdom is peace-loving, peace-loving. In other words, wise people are peacemakers, not troublemakers, I've met a lot of church folk that were nothing more than troublemakers. They've been to seven churches, and every church has got problems. You are the common denominator. You are a troublemaker. Wise people do not live with a chip on their shoulder. Wise people do not look for a fight. Do you love a good fight? The Bible says that's not wise. That if you look for a fight, that's not peace loving. Fools love to fight. Just go to the internet. It's full of them. Look up any blog. Foolish people love to fight. They love to argue. They love to mix it up a little bit. Some people um, like talking politics just because they like to fight. The Bible says wisdom is peace-loving, so it means I'm not going to try and provoke you to anger. I'm not going to push your hot buttons, if I'm wise. Now, if I'm a fool, I'm going to push your buttons, because I like to fight. Let's attach a truth to wisdom is peace-loving. It means that I will not antagonize your anger. I will not antagonize your anger. I'm not going to push your hot buttons intentionally. I'm not going to provoke you to rage. A little story, uh, at my house, we, we have this little thing that we have going on with my, my two sons, especially. Um, but we, we have this thing because Zeke loves Steph Curry from the Golden State Warriors, like loves him. And he's always about. He's wearing Steph. He got his Golden State. But we also have this thing at my house where I like to mess with him a little bit. I know it's probably not good. I like to mess with him and say he's a great shooter, but he's not the goat. Some of y'all, the goat, greatest of all time. Now, before you go into some debate and we all argue at my house, it's LeBron James. I'm sorry, he's the goat. One person, everybody else like, no, Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan. But at my house, it's LeBron James. Like, he's just a beast. I mean, he's a freak of an athlete. How many would admit that? Right? Like, just to be. And so, so he, he always goes on about his Steph Curry stuff, and, then, and I always say, goat man, goat man. <laughs> he's good, but he ain't the goat. He ain't the goat. And one day I picked up Elijah from school before I picked up Zeke. And, and so Elijah has gotten in on this goat man, goat man. And I got Elijah in the car with me. This is not good parenting, all right? It's just not. You don't have to write this down. But anyway, we're getting ready to pick up Zeke. And I said, when he gets in the car, let's say, goat man, goat man. And Eli got so, it was so funny. He got excited. His exact words were, Dad, do you think it'll make him rage? I lost my mind. I, you know, I'm not even going to tell you the end of that story. But I, I just loved it that his brother was willing to push the hot button because he wanted to see his brother rage. <laughs> the sad thing is, is that, I mean, they're young kids. But how many adults go around looking to push the hot buttons? We 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 want people to be angry. We we want to push the button, and, and some of us, what, what we do is we, we're around people long enough to find out what really makes them angry, and we may not use it immediately, but how many of us put that thing in the holster and we save it for the right time? You know, when the argument gets real heated, I'm going to pull that bad boy out, and I'm going to push your button, and like Elijah, I'm going to make you rage. I'm going to make you mad. The Bible calls that, I want you all to hear this, the Bible calls that stupid. It actually says foolish. It says it's not smart to live like that. If I'm wise, I will not antagonize your anger. I'm not going to just push buttons to see what kind of reaction I can get out of you. Proverbs 20 verse 3 says, any fool can start an argument. The wise thing is to stay out of them. The wise thing is to stay out of them. So don't be baited by internet trolls. Some of us get in arguments with people online that we don't even know. We're fighting with people we don't even care about. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. We, we don't even really care about them, but we're, we're antagonizing their anger. William James, the famous psychologist, said this, wisdom is the art of knowing what to overlook. Wisdom is the art of knowing what to overlook. And there's some, some stuff we just need to overlook and not make a big deal out of it. Proverbs 14, 29 says, A wise man controls his temper. He knows that anger causes mistakes. How do we know that anger causes mistakes? Because when we get angry, usually intelligence goes out the window. We start saying things that we later have to apologize for. We, we, can't, we, we do things that we later regret. All because in a moment of anger, in one outburst of rage, we do things that are not wise. Things that we, we really regret in our lives. So I won't compromise my integrity. I won't antagonize your anger. Number three, wisdom is gentle all the time. In the Living Bible, it says courteous. The NIV translates it as considerate. If I'm wise, I'm going to be considerate. Look at Philippians 4 verse 5. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all that you do. Not in some of what you do. Not in most of what you do. But let people see that you are considerate in all that you do. How many know that in one moment you can mess up your testimony? In one moment of being inconsiderate, you can cause people to change their opinion of you. All because you, you don't have control of your emotions and you're not using wisdom As you relate to people. I really want you to get this. Wisdom's not about your job. Wisdom is about how you relate to people. All right. There's a lot of brilliant people in the world that are not wise in relationships. We have to grow in this. We have to apply God's wisdom in our relationships. And and so, wise people are considerate even when others are not. Christian people are, are funny. So if they're inconsiderate of me, does that mean I should I can be inconsiderate of them? No. It means that we are considerate even when they are blasting us, that we maintain our composure even when people are rude. That's what it means to turn the other cheek. That's what it means to follow Jesus. How many know anybody can fight? Man, it's going to be quiet in this series. You know why? Because we struggle with wisdom in relationships we struggle to not push the hot buttons we struggle to be gentle and when we when we fail to be considerate we make mistakes the first mistake you make is we react to what people say and we ignore how people feel we react to what they say and we ignore how they feel the bible says that's foolish we pay too much attention to their words and not enough attention to their Emotions I, I have to say i've been guilty of that in the past, only focusing on someone's words and not understanding the emotion behind their words, and so I would just react to what they 're saying instead of understanding how they feel and and what you have to understand is that sometimes the reason people are rude and unkind is because they have been hurt and and sometimes listen to me it's not easy to do sometimes the people that are the most unkind are the very ones that need the most kindness. Hurt people hurt people. You you guys have heard that. And and, and God has really challenged me not to react to what people say, but try to go beyond what they say to how they feel and plant some kindness, plant some some mercy in there because you don't know what people have been through. And, and a lot of times we, we, we simply invalidate people's feelings by only reacting to their words. you got to slow down, and men especially, we really have to slow down and, and consider in the moment how that person feels, whether that's a spouse or someone you work with. Not just hearing the words, but how do they feel, and why do they feel that way? Here's what Romans 15 and 2 says, we must be considerate of the doubts and the fears of others. The truth is everybody has doubts and everybody has fears, and the Bible commands us to be considerate. Be considerate of everyone. All right? So we react to to what people say and we ignore how they feel. That's a big mistake. The other mistake we make is we invalidate any feelings that we don't feel ourselves. If we don't feel the same way, we act like they're just a bother. You're just a nuisance. Change the way you feel. I don't feel that way. And we just want to brush it off instead of being considerate. And and the Bible says that that's not the way we handle it. And a lot of times we want to treat people like they're irrational and illogical. And it's all because the truth is we are just inconsiderate at times. We're we're not slowing down to hear and, and understand how that person feels. Just because you don't feel it doesn't mean they don't feel it. And a lot of times we're arguing with people over feelings, which is not even possible. You can argue facts, but you can't argue feelings. Did you get that? Like, for, let me explain what I'm talking about. How many know in a room this size? There are probably somebody in here that says it's cold. Somebody else like you're dumb. It's hot. You know what I'm saying? T- how many? It's possible. For people in the same room, for one of them to be freezing and one person to be burning up, that is possible. Feelings are not right or wrong. They're just there. Okay, so they're not to be argued over. Sometimes instead of arguing over a feeling, I don't feel the same way, so let's just argue. Instead of doing that, acknowledge them. And and sometimes what we have to do is when somebody shares a feeling and maybe we don't have the same feeling, maybe all we need to do is just say, I hear you and let it be I'm sure there are others that feel that way come on hit your neighbor and say I hear you I hear you sometimes people just want to be heard alright so let's be considerate of one, one another uh, let's attach a truth to this if I want to be wise I won't minimize your feelings I'm not going to minimize them I'm not going to act like they don't exist I'm not going to belittle you I'm not going to say like if you had a brain you wouldn't feel that way I'm not going to do that. And, and, and a lot of times we belittle people with their feelings, or we do something even worse. We want to play psychologist. Well, the reason you feel that way is because your father, shut up. We don't need you to play doctor, I don't need you to put me on the couch. And let me talk for an hour and you diagnose me. How many of us sometimes, and I've been guilty of that because I, I'm analytical and I want to find out why you feel that way. But sometimes I can overstep bounds and say, well, you feel that way because sometimes people don't care. They don't want you to diagnose them or treat them. They just want you to hear them. Is that all right? Is that good preaching for just a moment? Like, like no, not diagnosed. You're, you're not a psychologist. Just let it be. And, and let me add, can I add something to that? How in the world are you going to figure them out when you can't even figure yourself out half the time? Oh, I'm preaching now. Yeah, you you don't even know why you do what you do. You go to bed at night saying, Lord, I am sorry every night, but you're going to diagnose them. Yeah, we in the right church. Proverbs 15 and 4. Kind words bring life, but cruel words crush your spirit. Man, this can happen so easy, especially in the marriage. Let's let's talk about marriage for just a second. Have you ever come home from maybe a long week at work or a long day at work, and you come in the door, and immediately you go to how bad your day was and how hard it was and how awful your boss is, and, oh, my goodness, what a horrible day I had. And your spouse then said, well, that ain't nothing. You should have been here with me today. We play who had the worst day. Back and forth. Well, my day tops your day. I dealt with more crap than you did. I said crap from the pulpit. I did. (laughs) I I went through more than you did. My day was a whole lot worse than your day. Why is it that we got to top one another? Why can't somebody just say, you know what, I'm going to be the bigger person today. You're right. Your day was worse than mine. You had a harder. Nobody wants to play that game. No, no. We got to be the victim. We got to play the game of my day is worse than your day, not wise. See, we, we have to a- ask ourselves: is, is these words that I'm, am I helping the relationship or am I hurting the relationship? Wisdom is gentle, wisdom is considerate. Number four: wisdom is willing to yield to others. Willing to yield means that you're willing to listen. If I were to ask every person here, are you a reasonable person? Almost everyone's going to say, yeah, I'm a reasonable person. Well, the problem is, if you're being unreasonable, you don't know it. Everybody else knows you're unreasonable, but you don't know it. How do I know if I'm being reasonable? Am I willing to listen? Can I disagree with someone and still listen to them? You can tell that you're unreasonable when you have an attitude of, I've already made up my, my mind, that's it. If I want your opinion, I'll ask you, and you just need to know I'll never ask you, right? Uh, let's all help y'all out, you all out just for a second. You're unreasonable, okay? A lot of times, though, when we're unreasonable, we don't know it, even though everybody around us can see it, and it's all about listening. It's all about listening. Um great story to illustrate this. When it comes to growing in wisdom and yielding to others, how many know we need feedback in our lives? Everybody agree? We need some feedback? Well, I heard this story about a pastor, and he really wanted feedback from his congregation. How many of that can be a slippery slope? He wanted feedback so much so that after church, he wanted people to tell him how he did with the sermon. And so he's standing out after he had preached, and a guy comes up, and and, and the pastor, you know, he's all about feedback and wanting constructive criticism, and he asked Jim. He said, Jim, how did I do today? And Jim said, honestly, pastor, that sermon stunk. He said, well, Jim, can you explain that a little bit? I mean, help me out. Why did it stink? He said, well, there's three main reasons why your sermon stunk. Number one, you read it. Number two, you read it poorly. And number three, it wasn't worth reading in the first place. (laughs) The next guy came by, the pastor, and tried to encourage him, and he said, Don't worry about Jim. He only repeats what everybody else says. See, the tough thing about listening to other people and hearing their suggestions is that you got to put yourself out there. It's hard to put yourself out there. And it, it, it can hurt sometimes when you get feedback. How many of those, sometimes the feedback you get hurts, but you need it. See, if I want to be wise, I won't criticize your suggestions. I won't criticize. A wise person, I want you to get this: a wise person can learn from anyone. A wise person can learn from anyone. Proverbs 18 and 15, intelligent people are always open to new ideas. In fact, they look for them. Anywhere and everywhere, we look for a better way. We, we, we're open to suggestions. And I know what some of you are thinking. Well, some people bring stupid suggestions, Pastor. Well, what do you do with your own stupid suggestions? Right? How many of we all come up with dumb ideas? What do you do with those? Cast them to the side, you forget about them. If somebody brings you a horrible idea, you put it to the side and you move on. But be open to suggestions. Number 5. Wisdom is full of mercy and good deeds. That word mercy is very important there. Go ahead and circle that, underline that. Full of mercy and good deeds. In other words, it's wise to show grace to people after they've messed up. After they've made a mistake, after you know, they've sinned, whatever it is, it's always a good thing to show some mercy. And the reason I know that, who is the wisest person in the universe? Not a trick question. It's God. Who is the most merciful person in the universe? It's also God. There is a connection right here. Fools are judgmental. Wise people are merciful. Merciful. Just hit your neighbor real quick and say, are you okay? Some of y'all look like you're in pain. How many are thankful that God don't give you what you deserve, but he gives you what you need? It's the same in your relationships. Don't be trying to give people what they deserve. That's easy to do. Sometimes we need to go beyond giving them what they deserve and give them what they need. And that may be, from time to time, it may be mercy or grace. So if I want to be wise, I won't emphasize your mistakes. I won't emphasize your mistakes. I'm not going to bring up your past. I'm not going to continue to talk about something you did. I'm not going to bring it up all the time. How many of the devil likes to bring up the past? Some of our marriages could get to a new and better place if you would stop arguing over the same thing. Somebody has to choose to forgive and move on so that when we're in an argument about something new, we don't go dig up the things in the past. Let me help you. If you are arguing with your spouse and you both reach back to pull out past things, your relationship is becoming very toxic. You need to take note and only deal with what's in front of you, not be a person that's emphasizing something that happened way back here, but that's kind of your go-to. I'm mad, so I'm going to go to it. I'm going to bring up something in your past. Deal with what's in front of you. Learn to forgive. It's kind of like the kid who got horrible grades and he went home and he knew his dad was going to be upset over his terrible report card. And he took it home, and his, his dad was really upset, really upset over the grades. And he went back to school the next day, and his buddy asked him, what did your dad do about the report card? And his, he, he said to him, he said, well, he went historical. He said, don't you mean hysterical? He said, no, he went historical. He told me everything I had ever done wrong. <laughs> and how often are we, are we like that? Instead of dealing with what's in front of us, we, we, aren't you thankful that when you lay down at night, God don't pull up everything you've done wrong the last 23 years? That he can let you move on and not have to live in that? Proverbs 17 and 9 says, love forgets mistakes. Nagging about them parts the best of friends. Think about the people that are close to you. Your, your spouse a close friend, somebody you hang out with often. You don't have to be mean about this, but how many of you understand that the people that are close to us, they all have traits about them that bug us. But we have to be willing to overlook that. And we do overlook that because we love them, because we care about them. Come on, hit your neighbor and tell them, let it go. Let it go. We're almost done. Worship team, you guys can come get in place. These people want me to quit. Number six, wisdom is impartial and always sincere. This is interesting because the two words in Greek are, well, I'm not even going to try to pronounce them because I'll butcher that. But these two words come from, it's actually speaking about the Greek theater. Like if you go back, it's from that time. um, And in Greek plays, what would happen is is a guy would come out on stage wearing a mask and he would play a part, okay? Then he would go backstage, put on a different mask, come out, play another part, okay? He would do that for for whatever the show was, the play was. He was playing a role and he was wearing many masks, okay? Now, the word in Greek for that is called hypocrite, all right? That's where we get the word hypocrite. It's really hypocritos, but we call it hypocrite because you're wearing a mask you're playing a role these words in James that you are impartial and always sincere it means that you, you you never operate in hypocrisy that you are genuine that you are the real deal you are completely authentic and 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 here's the the point to that if I want to be wise in my relationships I will not disguise my intentions. I'm not going to hide my motives. I'm not going to disguise that. I'm going to be authentic. I'm going to tell you who I am. I'm going to tell you what I believe. I'm going to tell you my strengths and my will. I'm not going to hide all that from you and then pretend that we have a real relationship. That's what he's talking about. They are impartial and they are sincere. The point is fools are fakes. Wise people are authentic. Two areas that people fake it the most. Y'all ready for this? Two areas people fake it the most. Online and dating. Online and also in dating. Those are two places that sometimes people do not show their true selves. Online and dates. Proverbs 10 and 18, look at this. It says, The lips of the liar conceal hostility, and whoever spreads accusations is a fool. Psalm 12 and 2, everyone lies to his neighbor, their flattering lips speak with deception. A lot of times in dating, I won't talk to those that are not married yet, just for a moment. A lot of times you fake it in the dating game, and then you get married and think, who is this? Right? Because you were not authentic up front. You know, you looked your best, Guys, you smelled your best. You didn't burp, pass gas. Like you even pretended you liked the opera. Ladies, you just need to know no man enjoys the opera. No man. You laughed at things that were not even funny. All because you're attempting, right? You're, you're putting your best foot for you're trying to be something you're not to make sure you can secure the relationship. It's not the real you. But if I'm honest, watch this. Listen, you need to find somebody that will marry you, that you can tell them what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are, what you really do like and what you don't like. Can I get an amen in this church? Don't marry somebody that you don't know them because they're always putting their best foot forward and you can't really see who they really are. We need to be wise. We need to be authentic. And as your pastor, I want you to apply wisdom, especially. This works at every level. But if you're dating, apply some wisdom to that relationship. Don't marry somebody and wake up a year later and say, I don't even know who this is. Find out who they are. Find out what makes them tick. I'm going to talk about that at some point in this. Can we talk about dating at some point? got about 10 people yes all the married people no. Come on if you're married you should still date your wife. Come on somebody you believe that you should date your wife. I want you to stand with me all over the building and I, I want to end by saying this we don't we, we don't get wisdom from going to college and earning degrees. I as I said I know a ton of educated fools. They know a ton of stuff, but they have zero wisdom. Zero wisdom. We get wisdom, watch this, from knowing God and doing what His Word says. That's wisdom. Knowledge is great, but if you don't know how to apply it, then you lack wisdom, right? So we want wisdom in our relationship. Anybody get something out of the Word of God today? Amen. I hope you got something out of it. I enjoyed it even if you didn't. I want you to bow your head, close your eyes for just a moment. I want to speak to those that are in-house or watching online that are not in a relationship with Jesus Christ. God didn't give us what we deserved. He gave us what we needed through his son Jesus by dying for us so that we could be saved. That same grace and mercy is available to you today. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, and you want to leave this place differently than you came in, you want your life to be changed, today by receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior if that's you would you just throw your hand up right there where you are I won't embarrass you but just say pastor that's me I need Jesus to save me I need him to forgive me anyone at all one here God bless you God bless you thank you for the one online as well God bless you anyone else as we wait for just a moment I need Jesus today to forgive me I need him to save me Anyone else? I want us to pray together. Come on, every voice lifted. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I've committed sins. I need a Savior. I can't save myself. I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me, to come into my heart, to be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me and changing me, in Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give those folks a hand clap this morning. We're so glad for you. God bless you. If you made that commitment today, there's a Connect card in the seat back in front of you. If you would take a moment just to fill that out, let us know that you made a a decision for Jesus, Um, and you can leave that in your seat. Our team will pick it up after service. We're so excited for you as you begin your new journey in Jesus Christ. One more time, give it up for all those that just made a decision for Jesus.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.